You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery, and I am thrilled to be here for another Sober Shorty. I love the new format that I have created in order to be able to get you guys episodes when one, my life is super you know hectic, and two, so that you have something that's a little bit shorter and something that's more bite-sized for you to be able to listen to. Part of coming up with these topics, too, is figuring out how I can discuss something I would normally spend 45 minutes teaching and be able to wean it down to its most important components. And today I had an opportunity to do that with one of my clients. Um, Long-term addiction recovery at this point. And so one of the things that we were going through is what areas of his life is he happy that he has achieved in 2023 and what areas of his life is he disappointed or would he have preferred to have achieved these certain things in 2023? And one of the things that came up was remodeling his house. He decided he wanted to remodel the house, change his environment in order to support his new lifestyle of sobriety and recovery. And as we were discussing that today, one of the things that came up was that he's got all these other things going on in his life, so he keeps putting off the house. And if you remember, I told a story many episodes ago about how I started going through all the set lists of concerts I'd been to. Now, I've easily been to over seven or 800 concerts. In fact, I would dare to say that it's over a thousand at this point. And I would only minimize that number because most people wouldn't believe it. But my obsession with live music, especially during my using days, I mean, we were talking 30, 40, 50 shows a year easily. 2013, I did over a hundred concerts just in that year alone. And I am obsessed with live music. And I don't know if I like the word obsessed, but I'm certainly gratifyingly interested in it um, to the point where I've already started purchasing tickets for next year. Uh, Greta Van Fleet and AJR come to mind as two shows that I've already got tickets for. So I'm very excited about live music. And one of the things I decided to do last year was start going through um, all of my ticket stubs and all of the concerts I can remember and getting screenshots of the set lists from that night's concert off of a website called setlist.fm. And what I notice is as I started to remember shows and then go get the set list from those shows, concerts that I hadn't remembered that occurred years ago would all of a sudden pop into my mind. And I realized that what was happening was shows that I didn't want to forget or shows that were already at the tip of my mind were staying there. And as soon as I went off and got the set list picture and was able to catalog that show, my brain was like, okay, good. I don't need to remember that one as closely as I've been guarding it. Let me just set that off to the side. Let me file that back. And when my brain did that, it was able to then remember other shows. And one of the coolest things that came from that was the realization that when we're filling our brains with things that we don't want to forget, it doesn't give our brain an opportunity to remember other things that it would also like to remember. Now, let me just bring this way more simple. It's like with my digital calendar. I put everything inside my Google calendar. 
I mean, from calling a friend all the way to making an appointment. It goes into the Google Calendar. It's mixed in with my priority and focus list so that I don't have to remember the things to do. I can get up in the morning. I can sit in front of the computer. I can look at my priority and focus list. I can match it with my Google Calendar, um, you know, scheduled events for the day, and then I can just get at it. I don't have to remember. In fact, I tell people all the time, if I don't write this down, if you want me to call you, if you want me to do something with you, it's got to go into the book or it's not going to get done because my brain's going to go looking for what it's supposed to be doing next. And if it's not on that list, it doesn't even know it's happening. So everything, I mean, I've got things in my calendar for three years from now. Now, whether I attend that event or not, it's out of my brain. My brain doesn't have to remember it. So what is happening with our brains is that it's trying to hold on to so many things. And it can only hold on consciously to so many things. In fact, studies show that it's about seven things at one time, plus or minus two. This is why you forget things in your house whenever you're leaving, because you've already got five, six, seven, eight, nine things you're trying to remember to bring. And then that's how you end up being halfway to work and realize that you left that important portfolio sitting on the kitchen cabinet because you were already trying to remember your keys and your coffee and your wallet and kissing your spouse goodbye and locking the back door and making sure the oven wasn't on. Your brain only has so much capacity to recall things. And then it shuffles the rest of the things back in its unconscious mind. So when my client approaches me today and says, you know, there's all these things I want to be doing. And for some reason, this house just doesn't get itself fixed. I just don't find the time. What we discovered through our coaching in the conversation was that there was a mental block. He was holding on to something with this house. And we came up with some strategies for him to be able to start prioritizing the house. And he writes me right before I turn on the microphone that what I had said about the concerts and how we had gone through allowing the brain to complete tasks in order to move on to the next task, it really hit him. And he started asking where in his life has he been holding on to things that he wants to get done, but for some reason just can't seem to find the time to prioritize. Because it's not that you don't have enough time, it's that you're not prioritizing things in a way that allows you to complete and accomplish And that can come from years and years and years of addiction where we would set out with these grand plans and not follow through. I cannot tell you how many times I got high on cocaine with my friends and we would have these grandiose ideas that actually could have been good businesses. But the next morning's hangover and the next three days of just plowing through bottles of booze, trying not to feel that cocaine hangover, left any ideas that we had magically come up with when we were super high and all the remnants of the exploration and the excitement to just be gone. And maybe there was good ideas there. Maybe it was just, you know, ramblings of coked up morons, but still we got these ideas and then we did nothing with them. And even if they were absurd ideas, the brain begins to build a habit. Oh, I'll come up with an idea. I'll think it's a great idea. I'll talk about it for five hours and then I won't move on it at all. And we create a feedback loop inadvertently inside of our heads that if we don't consciously pull out and begin to figure out where we're at on this feedback loop and what areas that we need to uh, heal and remedy and work on, we'll consistently make commitments that we won't follow through on. And making a commitment to go to a meeting or meet your friend for lunch, those are ones that are immediate. We can get to those, but it's the long-term ones. 
It's the ones that take a lot of effort. Those are the ones that fall by the wayside. And the text that I utilized in order to close this conversation with my client, I wrote him back and I said, the mind sees what it sees until it sees something different. And it can't see different things when it's locked into what it's currently seeing. The mind sees what it sees until it sees something different. And it can't see different things when it's locked into what it's currently seeing. And I'm going to say that one more time. The mind sees what it sees until it sees something different. And it can't see different things when it's locked into what it's currently seeing. You have to accomplish things to get them off your plate in order for your mind to begin to expand you outward. And so this closing of the Sober Shorty is going to be about a feedback loop. And that was a lot of intro, which is something that I'm still working on, to get us to this point where I can talk about the feedback loop. But all that information before is a very strong why and what for how important this information is. There's a feedback loop you have created, and it's either the one that leads you towards accomplishments or it's the one that leads you towards non-accomplishments, where you quit things. And this is of the utmost importance that you remember is happening inside your mind. So let's start with the undesirable feedback loop. Other people might call it the failure loop. You know how I feel about failure. There is no feedback. There's, or I'm sorry, there is no failure. There's only feedback. We do not fail at things. We work on things. We get some level of a result. And then we decide whether that result meets our desires, our expectations, and then we go back at it. This is the same attitude I want you to have if you've gotten a few weeks or months or years into recovery and then you dip your toe back into the addiction world just to come back out and say, okay, sure, I've got to start back over at day one, but I still have all of these resources I accumulated while I was working on my original sobriety. I mean, I went through this 20 some times before I finally stuck. And it's this feedback loop that I created that I'm going to explain to you right now. So the undesirable, the non-accomplishment feedback loop, and if you want to label it failure loop, I'm not going to tell you how to label things, but certainly other people would label it as the failure loop. I'm going to label it as the non-accomplishment loop because it just sounds a lot more empowering to do it that way. Okay, there's nine stages to this. Right Now, when I first learned it, it was... Not this many stages. I'm the one who made it this long. I think it was literally like commit, quit, despair, commit. But I made it much bigger. And here's the nine. You commit to something. Then you label it as difficult to do, difficult to achieve. You get frustrated. And when you get frustrated, enough of frustration, then you quit. When you quit something, you'll feel like a failure. When you feel like a failure, you become disappointed in yourself. When you're disappointed in yourself, you then go into despair and you think that you'll never be able to accomplish anything, that you're always going to be a failure, that you're never going to amount to anything worthwhile. Whatever kind of despair sounds and looks like to you, you'll get into it. Then the despair begins to wane. I'm sorry, wean. Wax, wane? Yeah, it wanes. It gets smaller over time. The despair gets less and less. Then it just becomes discontent. You feel this discontentment inside yourself. Like, ah, I just, all right, I really want to do this. You know what? I'm going to do it. And then you recommit. 
And then if you're stuck in this failure loop, this unaccomplishing loop, you commit to something, it finds it difficult, then you get frustrated, then you quit, then you label yourself as a failure, you feel disappointment in yourself, you get yourself into a state of despair, eventually the despair starts to go away, it gets less and less, and then you get discontent, you get fired up inside some way or another, and you recommit, and you find yourself in this loop. And we've been inadvertently doing this to ourselves for years because of addiction. Right now, again, we're not putting ourselves in this cause of, well, because addiction was around, I never amounted to anything. But it did. It manipulated you. You party too hard. You'd feel like shit. You turn to your friends and say, I'm never doing that again. That's it. I'm never having another drink. You commit. Then an emotional surge comes. It feels really difficult not to drink, not to use your drug of choice. Then you start feeling frustrated with life. And then you're like, you quit. You're like, fuck it. You know what? I'm not going to quit. I'm going to start drinking again. I'm going to start using my drugs again because this is too difficult and I'm feeling frustrated. And what happens whenever we have an emotional surge? We turn to our drug of choice. We turn to our alcohol. Then we feel like a failure because this time didn't stick. We tried to quit, but it didn't work. Now we feel like a failure. We're disappointed in ourselves. We fall into a state of despair. Over time, that despair begins to shift into discontentment with ourselves. Something happens that fires us off again and we recommit to being sober. And then another week or another month goes by and the difficulty and frustration leads us to quitting the quitting. And now we're back into this failure, disappointment, despair loop. And now we're finding ourselves discontent and we recommit. This has been replayed in your life so many thousands of times that trying to pull all of them out like I did with the set list would be an insurmountable quest. So let's just release it. Let's instead move towards the desirable loop, the accomplishment loop. All right, and here's where you're going to notice some very distinct differences. When you're ready to actually shift your thinking and you begin to shift your language and the words you use around what it feels like, what it looks like, what it sounds like to accomplish something, there are some very different words and feelings that will come from being hell-bent on making this the time you accomplish this endeavor. You will commit. Then you'll feel challenged. Then you get more determined and you continue. From there, you begin to feel the success, which gets you excited, which comes with feelings of accomplishment, which brings a level of contentment, and then you commit again. You might commit to the same thing and just want to up-level it, or now you feel like you've accomplished this other thing, and now it's time to move on to the next. With the client today, he could commit to finishing remodeling his house. He could find it challenging, but instead of finding it difficult, and then getting frustrated, he finds it challenging, which gets him more determined. And from this challenging determination, he continues rather than from difficulty and frustration leading him to quit. From the challenging determination that allows him to continue, he begins to feel success over finishing up the remodeling of his house. From this feeling of success comes, the, comes this excitement that his house is almost being finished of the remodeling he has spent the last two years doing. He gets a sense of accomplishment. 
this accomplishment of looking around and seeing his house finished allows him to be content with this entire project of remodeling the home. And now he has an opportunity to go off and to commit to something else. Right now he's stuck into, this is difficult. I get frustrated. I quit. Now I feel like a failure. I'm disappointed. My house is in shambles. This wall hasn't been painted. I'm pretty sure that this window has been cracked for the last year and a half because I was you know, drunk and I broke it a long time ago. So he feels disappointed in himself. Then he feels despair. Eventually, he just feels discontent about the shape of his house, and he eventually commits back into it. He'll work on it for a week or two or three. Then life gets difficult. He gets frustrated, so he quits. He feels failure. He gets disappointed. He has despair. He settles into discontentment, and then he recommits to it. And he's been on this loop for a year. Instead, we shifted him today to committing to it feeling into the challenge, staying determined and continuing. And that's the key part is step four in this is you're either going to quit or you're going to continue. And from the quitting comes failure, disappointment, despair. And from the continuing comes success, excitement, and accomplishment. Then either you end up finishing with some level of content. Discontent is just dis in front of the word content which makes me think of, you know, that, oh, that person dissed me. When you don't feel content, you're just dissing on yourself. Stop dissing on yourself. Feel into the continuation. It's in that continuation. It's in that moment we say, no, F this, man. No, I'm going to keep pushing forward. Like, I get it. Emotions suck. One of my original life coaches said, Jesse, yes, you drink too much. You do too many drugs, or at least you did. She met me when I was already in sobriety. She's like, but the number one thing you have beyond an over-drinking or over-drugging problem is an under-feeling problem. Thank you, Brooke Castillo, for putting that into my head. And I've never forgotten it. And it has lived long and prospered in there. Because the thing that makes me want to quit things is feelings, difficulty, frustration. But here's the thing. If you quit... You don't just not feel feelings. Oh, well, so uh, if I were to just quit this, I could just be unfeeling. That's pathological. Um, it's probably labeled by certain mental health providers as, um, what does they call that? Not psychosis. Uh, whenever people just don't have any emotions at all. I mean, I think back in the 50s, they started doing lobotomies. Maybe then you won't feel emotions, but we don't want to walk around like a zombie. We want to feel into our emotions. And here's the thing. If you quit trying to be sober or you quit trying to fix your marriage or you quit trying to be a better parent or you quit trying to lose weight or you quit trying to find a better job or you quit trying to find a new home, you don't just get to escape without feeling feelings. Sure, you don't get to feel def- def- the difficulty and frustration anymore. Congratulations. You've now just signed up for a lot of failure and disappointment and despair. It's actually worse on the other side. I'd rather feel difficulty and frustration knowing I'm going to continue than facing the failure, disappointment, and despair on the other side. This is how I've written books. This is how I continued with the podcast, even whenever it felt like it was going nowhere. This is how I pushed through those hard nights where it's three in the morning and I'm still working on an essay because I told myself I'd have it done because I feel the challenge. I feel determined. I continue through the face of the challenge, through the face of determining, yes, I'm a human. I feel the difficulty. I feel the frustrations, but I continue. There are times where I will have quit and I've had to live with that remorse from doing the quitting. 
and then gotten back up on it and said, this is the time I push through the frustration, turn it into determination, and I continue so I can feel the success, I can feel the excitement, and I can feel the accomplishment. Because whether you quit or whether you continue, either way, there are emotions coming with either of those two decisions. Which would you rather feel? We are programmed through years of this feedback loop to just expect failure from ourselves. And that is no longer tolerable. We do not live in that world anymore. It is going to take some time to break yourself out of the non-accomplishment loop. I'm not going to lie about that. But it's not going to happen any faster if we keep giving in to these inanimate objects of booze and drugs that have been doing nothing but just taking, 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 taking from us. If booze or drugs were a human person, we would have locked them out of our lives years ago. You're going to have to figure out some ways to pattern interrupt. You're going to have to figure out some ways to get out of your head and get into your body and make yourself breathe hard. There's going to have to be some level of determination in you that says, absolutely not today, in this moment, in this second right now, I figure out a way through this. Because if you don't and you quit, you're going to find yourself back in this loop and there's going to be more difficulty and more frustration, but it's going to be 2x, 4x, 10x. Because the more we don't accomplish things, the more we get ourselves programmed to believe we are a kind of person who doesn't accomplish things. And I'm going to end on that because I told myself I would accomplish 17 minutes and I didn't do it. But I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to feel failure, disappointment, or despair about this. I feel that it's a success. I feel excitement and I feel accomplished just in the fact that I'm finishing it before it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes. But either way, as we move into Thanksgiving or whenever you're listening to this, this is the feedback loop. I will put it into the show notes. I want you to notice and bring into your self-awareness which one you are living in more consistently because I want you to find yourself in the accomplishment loop. But I absolutely understand if you're finding yourself in the unaccomplishment loop because it's going to be a part of your psyche. It's going to be a part of you. And I'm not saying that you can ever completely work out and get out of the non-accomplishment loop, but I'm telling you with some fortitude, with some determination, with some flexibility, with some discipline, and with and just consistently taking action, you will find yourself in the accomplishment loop way more often. And that will reprogram you. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to reprogram ourselves to be the version of ourselves that we've always dreamed of. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. Bye-bye. 